0: So tonight we are in week two of our series on habits. So if you missed last week, you can go to Online, uh, forward slash sermons and you'll be able to catch up on last week. And um, the whole series on habits, some of you were here last week, All right? Who, um, let me see, who can I pick on? Uh, Tian, did you say, uh, Tian, did you say that you were here, Luan? Yeah, what stood out to you from last week? Small habits, big, oh, that was the tagline of the thing, the video, yeah, well done, okay, you watch the video, and then you're like, man, that is amazing, I can go home now, and then, yeah, well done, okay, praise Jesus for that, okay, uh, anyone else, uh, Ethan, were you here, what is what stood out to you, <laughs> don't say the same thing, okay, I know you, <laughs> nothing else, oh, praise Jesus. Uh, so guys, obviously for tonight, small habits, big results, and that's it. Pleasure your Bible. Let's go home. You have something to share? Um, I'll even give you the mic. Uh, wow. Um, yeah. Something that stood out for me was the presentation. Um, <laughs> no, but but really, the um, if you skip, it does have an effect. Um, let's say to your consistency, because I struggle with consistency and. If you, let's say, miss one week, it's going to not hit you now, but it's probably going to hit you later. Um, and even with me, like, it hit me in, let's say, my Bible study. Every time I open my Bible, I take something from, from it. But every time I don't read my Bible, I don't get anything. So it's, it's almost like it's hindering my pr- progress to where God, to what he created me to be, for what he created me to be. So, yeah, that's it out for me. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, the dominoes thing that Marina's did with skipping one and then the dominoes don't continue, that also f- stood out to me, and then pff, that moment. Now, um, the thing about habits is that, um, and the reason why we're doing this series on habits is not just to say, hey, here are some good practices and maybe add this to your life and your life will be better. Um, two decembers back, we went camping and our friend from Germany was still staying with us, so we were camping together. And uh, I think it was in um, Grayton somewhere, but there was a nice river stream um, next to the campsite, but the river was quite fl- flowing quite strong, um, and then we would jump into the water, and you know, like you jump in, and then you come out this side, so you would move a bit, um, and we decided, well, there's an area in this river that was flowing stronger than the rest, but it was maybe from here to the wall. Uh, this is going to bother me. Thank you. Um, So, and we decided we're going to go swimming in that area, but you could practice laps um, without necessarily going anywhere. And it's not like swimming like this, like you're um, just like floating about and having a casual stroll. No, it's like proper swimming, um, breaststroke, but you'll swim, but you won't move, right? Because there's a strong current. And the moment you stop swimming, paddling, whatever you call it with your arms, then you'll go with the flow. And the thing with the world we live in now is that there is a spirit at work in the world today. The Bible speaks about the spirit that is at work in the world today, and he, he works in the sons of disobedience. So there is a culture, there is a flow, there is a rhythm to life. Hey, there is a rhythm to life that is heading in a direction but it is under the governance of a different spirit. You have a Holy Spirit, and then you have a different spirit. And they both have an agenda for your life, and they both are heading in a direction. Now, if the Holy Spirit of God is heading this way, and the spirit that is at work in the world is heading this way, you rather want to go this way, all right? But that's the thing with habits. Even if you are born again, you are a child of God, Unless you are actively and intentionally swimming in the opposite direction, you will go with the flow. You can't stand still. Everything in society is heading in a direction. Everything in the culture is heading in a direction. And it's under the governance of a different spirit. And that's why we're doing this series on habits. To say, what are some of the things that we as children of God need to practice? Otherwise, you will just go with the flow. So tonight, we're speaking about servanthood, all right? So therefore, we have the I Serve Sunday, and I'll jump right into the text. You can open your Bible in Mark chapter 10, and you'll also be able to follow on the board. Mark chapter 10. So this is happening just after Jesus says to His disciples for the third time that He will die And he shares a little bit more detail as to his death, that there will be great suffering. And then three days later, he will rise up. Now, if you remember, Jesus' message was that the kingdom of God is among you. So he came, and the message that Jesus brought about wasn't just a message of, hey, here is a different way of living. No, I'm bringing about a different kingdom. And he said that the kingdom of God is among you. And then later he said the kingdom of God is now within you. So, and if there is a kingdom and Jesus is the king, then most probably there's a throne to this kingdom where Jesus sits, and that's where we pick up this story. So, verse 35, Jesus just told them he's going to die and rise up again after the third day. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's nice, huh? So Jesus, we know that you are like God and everything, but I'll tell you what, you do what I want you to do, okay? From if you have parents, all right, then you go to your parents and you're like, hey dad, I'll tell you what, this is what you will do for me, and your dad says, well, I'll tell you what I'll do for you, you go wait for me in the bathroom, okay? So here they come, they speak to Jesus, Jesus, let us tell you what you should do for us, and Jesus plays along, all right? So Jesus allows them. And this is actually where one part of you should say, it's a trap, it's a trap. Because Jesus says to them, okay, let's play this game. What do you want me to do for you? So he entices them in. They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. So if you're being raised up and there's this new kingdom and you're the king, obviously there's positions of honor to your left and to your right. We want those positions, please. Then Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Some translation says, or in in the book of Mark, I think it says in Matthew, it says, Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So here in chapter 10, Jesus has already been baptized in water by John the Baptist. So he's not speaking about water baptism. The Holy Spirit has already ascended upon Jesus. So he's not speaking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He's speaking about another baptism. And he's referring to the cup that he is about to drink. And the Bible says it's a cup of suffering. Now, if you know the rest of the story, you know that in the future of Jesus' life was a lot of suffering. So Jesus asks them, Are you able to drink from the cup I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism? I will be baptized. But to sit, and then they say to to him, we are able. You are not able. But they declare, we are able. We can do it, Jesus. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. And we know that most of the disciples were all martyred and killed for their faith. So Jesus kept true to his promise. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but it is for those whom it is prepared by the Father. So in this moment, we would almost like to think that Jesus addresses their question, but he takes it a lot deeper and he says to them, well, you will be baptized with the baptism that you've so boldly proclaimed that you can take, but those possessions that you seek, they're not mine to give. They belong to whom they have been prepared for by the Father. And now we see verse 41. And when the 10, remember there were 12 disciples, two of them asked Jesus for these positions, the 10 that remained When they heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John, or indignant, um, angry, very angry with James and John. And in this moment, it's not so much like, oh, how dare they speak to Jesus that way? How dare they be so arrogant? No, they were angry because they weren't first. How many lefts and rights do you have? Two. If there is a throne and there's a left and a right to the throne, there's only two spots. Now, these guys have come in, and they've asked the question that they maybe also have in their heart, but they've asked it first. And now they're angry. How dare they ask first? And Jesus gets into this moment, and he says to them, he called all of them together. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus comes and he says that I'm bringing about a kingdom, but this kingdom looks different than everything that you see around you. Everything around you in this current kingdom is flowing into this direction but the kingdom that I bring is heading in a different direction. And if you want to be part of my kingdom, then your way of thinking about life needs to align with my kingdom. There's a different way of living that Jesus now calls them into. So here's the one, the one thing. We don't like it when people elevate themselves. Okay? We don't like it when people promote themselves too much. Maybe it's at your workplace and you've got this one guy, and every morning he's just bringing coffee for the managers. Like, hey, I brought you coffee, and it's your favorite coffee, and I know it's the coffee you like. Are you laughing because you take the night, the night coffee? Not, you can, she so won't object. But it's like that guy is just, what's the proper word? Mm, you know the word. It's not necessarily a proper word for church, but you guys know the word. That guy is doing such and such. Um, maybe it's in your family where there's this one person that is just always trying to impress and always trying to be better than everyone else? I Me neither. <laughs> so, how's that for confidence? All <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Remember, small habits, big results. Okay. That's what you need to remember. Um, we don't like it when other people do it. Other people do it. Sometimes you're around a friendship circle and someone shares a story and you know that that story isn't the full truth. They've added to it. They've made it bigger than what it is. And something inside of you feels like, I don't necessarily like what that person is doing right now. Anyone can resonate with that? Like you've seen it in other people, like I don't really like that. But we go a little bit further. It's not just that I don't like the action. I don't know if I like that person so much that if we were to have a social or a bra or a whatever I don't think I'd want to invite them because I don't like people who are like that. So it's more than just the action. It's the person. So we don't like it when people elevate themselves, yet we do it too. We do it too. If we had to be honest with ourselves, there are times when you and I tell a story and we add maybe just a little bit, just to make this story sound a little bit more exciting. Just to make this story be a little bit more about you, a friend of yours will share something about their weekend, and you just have to share something about your weekend as well. We just have to get an opinion of ourselves out there to say, hey, look at me, see me, don't miss me, don't overlook me, because if I don't, let's say it's on campus, and if I don't do it, then maybe the cool people on campus will get better friends and I'll be stuck alone. Maybe in my workplace, if I don't make myself visible, and there's an opportunity for a promotion, I won't get it. So I need to elevate myself so that I won't be missed. So the problem is, why are we like this? Why are we like this? I remember in, uh, when I went to high school, I um, went to boarding school, and boarding school is a great place to be humbled, okay? Whom of you have ever been in boarding school, grade eight, okay? You are assigned to a matric, and you become a slave to that matric. Um, And someone once said that, like, you were a big fish in a small pond in primary school, and now you're just a small fish in a big pond. Now, that's just fancy words. You are nothing. You are nothing in high school. So here you are, especially in boarding school, all right? Um, You get assigned a nickname, and you'll come home from the weekend, and you'll bring food for the week. You'll even hide it in your washing, your laundry basket. They'll find it because it's not yours. You just brought it for them. But then the, the one place where this was really tested is during uh, lunchtime. So lunch was our bigger meal. And on my table, there would be grade 12s, 11s, 10s, 9s, and then me, the salt. Okay? I don't know if that's still a word, but that was a word when I was in grade 8. Um, and then who gets to dish first? The great eight, eh? No. So the great eight gets to dish last. And often when it comes to your time dishing up, there's no food left. So then you wait a bit, and then you'll go around to the ladies' tables, and you'll be like, please, sir, can I have some more? (laughs) So any food left on this table, and you'll have to scavenge to find food so that you have something to eat. But there's hope in the story, because one day... You will become a grade 12, and you will be master of all, and you'll be assigned someone that will do all your errands. You'll even get them on Wednesdays to clean your floor, and I'm not joking. And that was the goal. One day, I get to be a matric, and I get to dish first. And in that space, I get to be served, and the the reward of my maturity, my growing upness in high school was that I now get to lord it over others. The way it was done to me, I now get to do it with others. And I would love to say that a couple of years later, just a couple, not too many, that I have changed and I have no desire to be served ever again like Jesus has set me free from all of those things. Praise Him, it's a miracle. But it's not the truth. So many times still, I have this need to be served. So many times still I have this need to be seen, to be recognized, to be heard. Because what if I'm not seen? What if I'm overlooked? What if I miss my opportunity to make it in life? What if I miss that opportunity to meet the right person or to be the right person or to get the right job? What if I miss that? So I have to raise the flag for myself every now and then. And say, hey, just see me as well. But everything around us plays into this belief that you deserve to be served. Now, when you go to McDonald's and you order your food, now, obviously, there is a point of doing the work that God has given you to do in excellence, but now you wait in that line, and it takes them a little bit too long to prepare your order, and you open it up, and they gave you the wrong drink. And something inside of you feel validated that you get to say, how do they employ such stupid people? Something inside of you makes you think that you are validated in playing other people down because they are supposed to serve you. And we go to places where that can become the expectation. Even though, yes, good service is good, but the way we treat people exposes our hearts before God. So we are broken and messed up people. Now, Jesus came to show us a better way. Scripture says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. So in what way did God become man and serve us? Did He come to say, guys, everybody in the world is swimming this way. I'm going to teach you how to swim this way. So He's showing us that in society, leadership looks like this, but I'm showing you a better way of leadership. So just do what I do. And then you get a little bangle. That says, what would Jesus do? And that's the goal of Christianity, is that Christ came to be an example unto us, but a better example. And if you will just do the things that Jesus did, then you will be okay. Here's the problem. None of us have a problem in recognizing in someone else when they elevate themselves. And we don't like it. We don't like it when other people do it. The same way that the ten disciples didn't like it when the other people did it. But it's not for the reason um, that it's like, oh, no, it's so wrong and it doesn't honor God. No, they just went before me. We don't have an example problem because we can see it. But we have no ability to change our own hearts. So Jesus came and he served us in order for us to be set free from our deeper sense of self. Our deep sense of self importance, our deep sense of self worth and self need and self exaltation. Jesus came to set us free from our deep sense of self. There's a scripture in Mark 1 that many of you should know quite well, and it reads Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you become fishers of men. So, this is where Jesus called his first disciples. They were busy fishing. And he steps into their lives, and he says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So I will make you something. The disciple says, Jesus, here's what we want you to do for us. Jesus invites them, and he says, I will make you something, but you do not get to dictate what it is. You do not get to tell me what it is that I have called and created you for. I am the creator. You are the created. Follow me. I will make you into something. But in that space, Jesus is asking them to let go of four things. And these four things are things that you have been designed to want. So it's not wrong to want these four things. God designed you this way that you would want these four things. The first one is a sense of security, a sense of safety. So for the fishermen, their sense of safety they would work, they would sell their fish at the market, they would get money, and money would give them the sense of safety, their identity, who they are, to know who you are. They were fishermen, their sense of purpose and significance in life. So they would take their fish, and then the value that they would add to the community is they would bring fish to the market, people can buy it, and they can feed their families. So they had a sense of worth and influence in their community, and their sense of comfort. Everything they knew was connected to this life of being fishermen. It was what their father did, and it was what the society knew about them. Everything that they knew was linked towards this. And Jesus simply steps into that moment in their life, and he says, I want you to let go of all of those things, to follow me, and then trust me, that whatever you are giving away, I will give back to you. That you will find a deeper sense, a truer sense of your identity. If, you were, if you're willing to let go of your sense of security there, I will provide for you. I will take care of the things that you need. If you are willing to let go of your sense of significance here, where you always have to work in order to be seen and recognized, I will give you something to live for that can never be taken away, that will never be threatened. Your sense of comfort, let me be your great comforter. So Jesus invites them To let go of those things that might be temporary so that they can take hold of something that is eternal. And he says, will you trust me enough to let go of that and take hold of me? So often our problem in Christianity is that we either do not really know Jesus. And from not knowing him, you won't be able to trust him. And if you can't trust Jesus with your identity, if you can't trust Jesus with your purpose in life... You will not let go of the purpose you are currently holding on to. It will be too great for you because you have a legitimate need for identity, security, purpose, and meaning in life. So Jesus invites us to trust Him enough. And what happens when you do surrender your life to Him, He places your life into a new truth parameter. The first one is, and I'll use it like this, that you can never be less than a son of God. Ladies, you are sons of God. Men, you are the bride of Christ. Okay? In heaven, you'll wear a dress. Looking forward to that. Okay, Mo, a white dress. It's going to be good on you. You're never less than a son of God. Now, this is for those who are in Christ. You are born again. If you are not born again, if your life has not been surrendered to Jesus, you have no other option but to find your security and your acceptance and your purpose in life in the world. You have no other option to swim with the stream. But in Christ, He gives you a new truth parameter. You can never be less than a child of God. doesn't matter what you fail at. doesn't matter how many times you get up and fall down again. You can never fall further beyond being a son of God. You are safe. You are secure. And the other truth parameter is you can never be more than a disciple of Jesus. doesn't matter what you achieve in life. doesn't matter if you become the next Mark Zuckerberg or um, what's that guy's name that owns Tesla? Elon Musk. Even if you become the next Elon Musk, Elon Musk is not greater than a disciple. Whatever you achieve in life fits into these two parameters. And this settles your greatest need For purpose and significance. You were designed by God to feel that your life has meaning. The moment your life does not have meaning, you will fall into a hopelessness and a depression. And you will start to question, what is the purpose of my life? Why do I need to keep living? But when you are in Christ and God gives you your greatest sense of purpose, you don't have to work to be seen anymore. You don't have to try and achieve something anymore. You don't have to try and be first and be recognized in the workplace so that you can get that promotion because you have already received the promotion of promotions. What if you get looked over in your job? There is a Father in heaven who knows what you need and He will give to you all things pertaining to life and godliness. You lack no good thing. And you get to live your life in the sweet spot where you can take great risks because you'll never be less than a disciple, less than a son of God. And you never have to try and impress or perform your way in society. Because you've already achieved the greatest calling in life. To be a disciple who makes disciples. And you get to live your life there. So what if, what if our country was led by people who did not serve themselves, but they served the people that they were elected to serve. What if your boss, maybe you have a great boss, um, all of the staff obviously not their heads in this moment. This is a, group, this is a good place to say amen in church. Oh, okay, great stuff. Okay. What if your boss was someone who would bring you up, even at the expense of him or herself, That he would not look after his or her own interest first, but make sure that you are looked after. What if in your neighborhood, people weren't so protective of what they have, but that they lived freely and openly and served those who are in need? That people weren't first saying, hey, if I'm okay and all of my life is sorted out, then I'll see if I have enough left over for you. What if in this church, we served one another Beyond offense, beyond our insecurities, beyond someone letting you down in one way or another. Because there are no perfect churches, correct? If you find one, you shouldn't go there because you're not perfect. Neither am I. What if in this church, we served one another the way that Jesus modeled servanthood, by washing one another's feet, by covering our mistakes together, By loving each other at the expense of self. To say, I will sacrifice so that you don't have to. What if that was the world that we get to live in, but also the world that we were able to set up for our children and children's children to grow up in? And such a world is possible if we know who we are in Christ. I want to end with this statement We need to practice being less so that we can know that we are enough. You and I have to practice being less so that we can know that we are enough. There might be a place where you are born again, and all of those truths already belong to you. But the stream that you and I are living in, the current of this world, who is under the governance of a different spirit, is flowing intensely strong. And you might be born again, but you could be drifting along the current. And the challenge with Jesus' message was that it was so extremely opposite the way of the world that it almost seemed too radical. It almost seemed too radical. And we can find ourselves as Christians in a world where we get to that same space to say, yo, yo that's a radical Christianity. I'm okay with just being a normal Christian. There is no such thing as normal Christianity. You are either swimming upstream or you are going with the flow. And when we serve, when we practice being less, you actually get to deepen the truth that you truly are enough. You truly are enough. The way that we serve each other, the way that we love each other, the way that you get to serve on your campus or in your workplace. And don't go to the greatest person on your campus or your manager at work and say, hey, This week, I want to see how I can serve my manager. No, because there's a reward for you there. Go to those whom society deems the lowest and serve. Lift them up. Treat them as if they are the most, where you've got nothing to gain. Give away where you can give away, so that you can learn and experience that you truly are enough. One of the ways that you and I get to practice that is to serve in church. The the church, and remember, church is more than a building, more than a Sunday, all right? But the church is still God's primary vehicle by which He advances His kingdom. The church is the way that God brings His kingdom reality into the world we live in. And where you go, you get to bring the church of God there where it is not. And if you are in this church, now maybe you've been visiting us for a while, maybe this is your first time here You are welcome to still go and check out some other churches, but at one stage or point in your life, you will need to make a decision as to where you're going to root yourself so that you can grow up spiritually. I can be a child, and I can go and visit all of the best families in my neighborhood and eat great meals every single night. I can go to all the richest places and say, hey, I want to have dinner with you tonight. And I can go and feast at all the greatest dinner tables in my neighborhood. But I will not be loved as a son. I will not be able to grow up as a son because none of those places are my home. And somewhere you need to make a decision as to where will you root yourself. Where will you call home? And where you call home, God has called you to serve. Because that's what sons do. Orphans. Come in, they eat, they go. Sons stay. Sons serve. And that's the invitation. So one of the ways that you get to practice being less, where you get to be offended because you arrive um, three o'clock that the power team comes in and then you get there and the venue is locked and the person who's supposed to open the venue is late and you're like, well, if I'm going to buy out the time, why can't they buy out the time? And your heart gets to be tested and it's good. Because in that moment, you are confronted, am I going with the flow, or am I going to practice swimming upstream? And you get to train yourself to become more like Christ. So you are allowed to take out your phone right now. Okay? I know we have that whole digital cell phone screen event coming up. Until then, we have five more weeks. No, I don't know how much time is left. Um, I want you to take out your phone, and you can scan that QR code. Or you can go to Hifel. online. Like Adelia said, everything happens there. So Hifel. online, and then there's a tab that says, Serve with us. And this is the invitation. If you scroll down that beautiful picture of Geop there's Raymond as well. and Then you'll see there's a little um, block at the bottom where you can actually sign up to serve in one of the different departments that you maybe saw tonight. And it is... It's not an invitation to say, hey guys, we need volunteers, and therefore we need you to sign up. No, it's an invitation to practice being less so that you can know that you are enough. So we're going to give you some time to respond to that now, um, and then while you do, there will be a, a video just playing in the background. All year long, we hear this call, be like Madiba, serve your neighbor, Ubuntu for all. We are bombarded with this ideal to be like Gandhi and Mandela, a Mother Teresa that heals. My mind is filled with images of charity and kind hearts, of food parcels delivered to a nation that starves. A rescue operation here, building a house there, or visiting a child with cancer, to give of ourselves for the benefit of others. There can be no greater gift than that of giving one's time and energy to help others without expecting anything in return. I tend to agree with Tata on that and so does the Bible. Check 1 Peter 4 verse 10 and you will see what I mean. The Bible has a great deal to say about servanthood because it is the story of him. The greatest servant of all who paid the price and died for us all. He didn't care for the cost when he put others first and that is the example of how we should serve now hey i know this is scary i mean i know jesus born from the virgin mary besides i'm too busy with staying alive with chasing my dreams and enjoying my life i can't possibly be ready to serve nothing that i give is of worth i'm no preacher i'm no saint i'm not an example of living with restraint i can't even read my bible or talk to god as much as i'd want to if i don't have time for that how can i serve too but you see right there is the devil's lie he binds us with the thoughts of not being good enough because he knows the power of a christian stepping up serving is not a duty or a slave serving his master it is not your one-way ticket to save your soul from disaster serving is not a feeling of warm hearts and kumbaya it's not something you fall into like falling in love Serving is not a season that comes and passes or a program you follow with steps and self-help phrases. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The contradiction of a king who served the convicted of sin so they could serve with conviction that comes from within to respond to a desire sparked by his fire for the praise and glory of the one who is higher. It requires a process of dying to self, of giving up resources, of time and of wealth. For Jesus is Lord of all that we own and it is for his glory and his name alone. No one said serving is easy because it's not, because easy is cheap and can easily be bought. No. Serving is the hardest thing that we know. It contradicts with our nature, right into our bones. It is giving up comforts, our worldly delights. It's saying, I will follow whatever the price. Serving brings greatness. The last will be first. There are crowns waiting in heaven for those who heed this. I serve when I'm tired, when I'm broken and hit. I serve for the glory of Him who served first. I serve in my family. I serve in my church. I serve with my time. I serve with my worth. I serve. I serve. I serve. serve. Amen. So we get to serve together because number one, Jesus is worthy. We get to give of our lives unto Him because Jesus is worthy. We get to serve each other on a Sunday but beyond Sundays. I hope that for you, church also is more than a building, more than just a Sunday. And as the church, we get to serve the world whom Jesus died for. And as we serve the world, they get to encounter Christ. That's the invitation. So I trust that um, you made a decision to practice being less, and here's the goal for us this week, that you would seek out opportunities to serve. And like I said earlier, don't go to those where you can gain something from serving them. Go to those whom society would deem the least of these. that That was the model of Jesus. Jesus came to those whom society rejected, whom society aren't even worthy of being touched, that they were excluded from the temple. They had no ability to get into the presence of God, to worship God, even if they wanted to. And Jesus came close to all of those. He touched the leper. He let the prostitute wash his feet. He had supper with sinners and tax collectors. May that be the testimony over our lives, that we serve those whom Christ loves. And then through our serving, that it might be a greater indicator of who Jesus is. And who knows, maybe they themselves might also encounter him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to come and give you all the glory and all the honor that you came not to be served but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. And we are part of that many, Lord Jesus. That we were bound up in our sinfulness. We were bound up in our sinful desires. We were bound up in our brokenness. We were bound up, Lord, in uh, the chains of the past with no hope for the future. But because of the way that you served us, you've given us newness of life, that we get to be part of your, um, create, your creation, we get to be part of your created image, we get to be part of your kingdom. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and charge us to serve in the way that we have been served, to love in the way that we have been loved. We thank you for that great privilege. And I pray, Lord, that as we do that, as we trust you enough with the things that we hold on to, to let go of them and hold on to you alone, that we will experience how you are truly able to give us the things that our hearts deeply long for, that we are truly enough because you are enough. Amen. Amen.